What's up, guys, and welcome to the Rounders Podcast. I'm Shrieker. I'm Jared. I'm James. So let's kick off this episode with our news of the week, as usual. Jared, you want to start up, start us off? Yeah. So uh, JJ Watt now may miss the rest of the season, which that is big news because he was one of the biggest offseason acquisitions in all of football, and he's one of the best defensive ends of all time, and. Now he's not going to be there for Arizona. He's probably one of the best players on that defense, and it's a real shame. I thought this Arizona team was a team that can go all the way. I still think that they could. I still think that they got a really good offense. They still have a pretty good defense around them. But now that they don't have, they, they may not have one of their star players. Obviously, they're not going to have him for tomorrow, which we're going to talk about. But yeah, he's a, he was a big part of that team. He's a veteran, and I mean. You know, maybe he'll be back for the playoffs. We don't really know what the injury is right now, but it's definitely going to be big. Uh, James, what do you think? Who the fuck is Michael Doby? So who would be back? I don't know who Michael Doby. Well, that's who would be playing instead of. Uh, I thought it would be Zayvon Collins, the rookie, but I they play different Collins. positions. All right, yeah. I mean, like JJ Watt was obviously an impactful player on that defense, and it's going to hurt them a lot. Um, I, I don't know, like how it will like change everything pressure wise. Obviously, JJ Watt is really good at getting pressure and pressuring the QB. So we'll see what happens there. But I <clears throat> I don't think the Cardinals are going to keep their undefeated streak up. I mean, I never thought they would, but, I mean, obviously losing J.J. Watt isn't a great sign of that to happen. So, and, I mean, there are <clears throat> there are still players on the defense that can step up when they need to, like Buda Baker, Byron Murphy. Like, they still have playmakers. So who knows who's going to step up in the absence of J.J. Watt, especially on that D-line, because they need someone to pressure him. Maybe they make a trade before the trade deadline because it's like seven days away. So maybe they could trade for someone. Uh, so, I mean, I'll, I'm going to be on the lookout for trades coming their way because they definitely need someone to replace uh, J.J. Watt. He's a 79.5 on PFF. So that's going to be – if he's out the whole year, that's going to be a loss. I think J.J. Watt's uh, uh, an integral part of this defense. I think his chemistry with Chandler Jones was just amazing on the field. I think it's going to be – as James was saying, there's still so many playmakers on that defense. And I think one player we're not talking about is Chandler Jones. I think he's going to step up to the task. I think they could also – they're a team that looks like they've been trying to spend heavy and try to buy now with all, some of the acquisitions they made with Zach Ertz on that offense. So who knows? They might probably pull the trigger for a defensive move to find a replacement for J.J. Watt. They could also just move Chandler Jones. Like they can put him as rush linebacker, so they can he can always blitz off the edge if they need to. But I don't think I don't see him like ever moving him to D line. But he can always just be that rush linebacker, which. I know he's old, but you know he can. He got what five and a half sacks in this first game, so you know he can still make plays. So I can see him doing that. Next, we have Mark Ingram to the Saints. I think this is a solid move. You know, Mark Ingram's familiar with the whole with Sean Payton. He's really he's really great with Kamara, Kamara too. I think both uh, Kamara and Mark Ingram Mark Ingram are going to be a great tandem, and this backfield is going to be even better than ever because now Kamara doesn't have to play every single rep and you can take those low breaks for explosive bursts in the next snap. Yeah, especially if Kamara gets injured. You got a nice safety net with, with Ingram. I mean, he didn't really prove much in Houston, but I don't think any running back can. So there's not much to say there. But, I mean, with now with Ingram out of Houston, it's just a two-headed battle between David Johnson and Philip Lindsay. So we'll see what happens there. But I think David Johnson gets the nod, obviously. Uh, I think he still has talent in him. It's just it's kind of being wasted because he's on the Texans. So, but yeah, with with the Saints, I I mean I don't think Ingram's gonna make a huge impact, but yeah, he's definitely gonna take the, the load off Kamara, like Shrieker was saying. I don't think by much, but he may be involved in like goal line work. He could be like a nice third down back. Who knows? I mean, obviously, he's a step up from Tony Jones or Troy Jones Jr. Whatever his name was. So, and bringing him back to. Uh, New Orleans is kind of a fun move, so I, I like the move. I do. I think this also relieves uh, Jameis a little bit because I think they're now going to use Kamara more in the passing game, so that's just one more weapon added for Jameis uh, Winston to use, and it relieves him a little bit because now he has a little bit more space with those dump-offs to Kamara rather than just him being right behind him. He can just dump him off from like the wide-out position. Yeah, I mean, if you're the Saints – why not? I don't really know why Mark Ingram signed with Houston in the first place. I think that was probably the, like it was the wasteland of running backs in the offseason. Philip Lindsay and 
David Johnson are both there, and Rex Burkhead signed there for no reason. So, yeah, I don't really know why Mark Ingram went there in the first place. I think it's going to be good for him going back to where his career started, um, former Heisman winner, and now he'll be back with Alvin Kamara and um, the Saints, and I think that's going to be good for the Saints. Like you guys are saying, it's going to take the load off Kamara. I think it's a good move. Finally, we have some breaking news with the Deshaun Watson debacle, I think. He has created a lot of controversy in the NFL world for the past year or so. And I think we've, we're finally getting some uh, better closure soon. With Apparently, rumors are that he's already signed or is going to sign with the Dolphins, uh, depending on the whole legal uh, side of it being cleared off. But what do you guys think of it? If How do you guys think, feel with Tua moving to Houston or Deshaun going to Miami? Obviously, Tua would be involved in that trade because they wouldn't need a QB in return. But, yeah, like Sugar was saying, the Dolphins and Texans, like, agreed to a deal. It's just the Dolphins are waiting to see how the legal issues turn out. So, yeah, if the trade goes through, then that means everything's cleared and he's going to play because the Dolphins are only going to accept the trade if he goes through. But I, I'd, stay, I'd say still go through the trade because, you know, Tua is not great. And you have Jacoby Brissett, who you can still play for the rest remainder of the season. And once Deshaun clears everything up, boom, there's your franchise QB. He's still young. He's still very talented. Probably top five QB when healthy. And you got Will Fuller coming back, so that's a really nice connection. That's the, that's the Texas connection right there, or Texans connection. So, I mean, I, I'd say just pull the trigger anyways, legal issues or not. If he doesn't play, he doesn't play. So I'd say go with it. And Also, I know um, I saw a tweet this morning that the Panthers are out of the Deshaun Watson race. So I don't know. Do they tr- Do they still trust Sam Darnold? Like, after that atrocious game, it's hard to tell. But, I mean, yeah, the Panthers are out. So it's ma- it's mainly just the Dolphins now. And, again, like I was I, – I, I just pulled the trigger on it. There's no reason not to. Like, you really want to stick with Tua over Deshaun Watson, even with all the legal issues. Like, just do it. <laughs> I, just want, Dolphins. I just want to add real quick, the Dolphins don't even have their first-round pick, so there's really no reason to tank, even if they start losing uh, with Tua. So I really think – I also agree with James, and I think they should pull the trigger for Deshaun because – you're going to be in another hole if this is another wasted season and now you don't have a first-round pick. So I'd rather give away Tua. Kind of now you decide you're now in a win-now mode. With Deshaun coming in, you're already it's already a really good look up for free agency because a lot of people are going to say, hey, I want to definitely play with Deshaun Watson. If all the legal side is cleared and his name is and reputation is back to normal, I think that Miami team is a real big threat. I mean, yeah, like I was saying last week, I think when Deshaun Watson plays, I think he's a top-five quarterback in the league. I think with what he's had to deal with in his career from shitty coaching to really bad trades, this guy has been consistently great. Um, I think that the Dolphins are a pretty good fit for him. I think that it pretty much is as bad of an offensive line in Miami as it has been in Houston. So that it's not like that really is going to matter for him, but he's going to have – some good running backs. He's going to have some good wide receivers. He's going to have a wide receiver that he played with in Houston for a very long time. Now, it's not the best spot for him to go, but it seems like Miami's kind of the only team willing to pull pull the trigger on him. And if Houston's really getting that desperate where they want to give up this guy who's probably, again, like I said, a top-five quarterback in the league, to a team in Miami who, for Tua Tagovailoa, who I think we can all agree is not look great at all. In his I, I, he was solid last week. He's like I don't know. He has like all right. He games. had four hundred. T- uh, he had four hundred yards, I believe, in four touchdowns. So I think that's well, to be fair. It was the Falcons' defense. No, no shade. Falcons. No shade thrown it your way, but it was the Falcons. I, it defense. was, but I think still there. You have to give him some credit for four touchdowns and four hundred yards for a guy that for a guy that everyone was uh, cri- criticizing his arm strength. I mean, props props to him for that because I think this was one of those redeemable games where you're like, hey, look, there's still a lot of promise in the kid. He, he just needs time. He needs an actual mentor. I, I think a lot of people are failing on Brian Flores. I don't know if he's actually going to be the long-term guy going forward, but I think with the right coach, I think there really is something special here. But I mean, he, he his pro comp was Drew Brees, and I, I see definitely a lot of Drew Brees in him. Tua? Yeah. I see, you know, may, who knows? Maybe if Sean Payton had a guy like him, what would happen? You know, what if scenario? I don't know. When I look at two, I like to trust my eyes. When I look at two, I don't see that. 
I oh. personally don't see it. But I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. I didn't see it in Justin Herbert and look how that turned out. So, um, yeah. But, I mean, if I'm Miami, I would have done this even with the legal issues because, like, what's the difference? Are you really going to win the Super Bowl this year if you have Watson or don't have Watson? I would have just done it, have Watson sit this year, start Kobe Brissett for a year, fuck it, and just have Watson start next year, and you'll be set. I mean, again, they're not going to have a lot of draft picks. They still have a lot of draft picks because um, even with them trading with Philly, they still had a lot from old trades. So I think that Miami should have done this a while ago. I don't – even with the legal issues, I get it. There's no way that Watson sits out for more than this year. He may – I don't think he'll play this year. There's no way he sits next year. So if I'm Miami, I, I would have done this months ago. And I'd, I'd laugh at the rest of the league for not jumping on it sooner. Like San Francisco, I would much rather have Deshaun Watson than Trey Lance the next 10 years. I'd much rather have Deshaun Watson than Big Ben the next 10 years than Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke the next 10 years if I was Denver. So, yeah, again, I would have done this – months ago if I was Miami, I think that Watson could lead a really bad roster to a playoff, to the playoffs. All right, so next we have our Thursday night game predictions. Cardinals-Packers, I know Packers are lacking a lot of players on that offense, but it's Aaron Rodgers' Thursday night football primetime, baby. Who do you guys think? I mean, I love this Arizona team. I think that Kyler Murray is awesome. He's the hard, I think he's the hardest quarterback to tackle of all time. He's so small. He's so small, but that makes him so elusive. He's really fast, and obviously he has great players on that offense, like De- DeAndre Hopkins. Even though he's not even that involved this year, but he's also got guys like Christian Kirk, AJ Green, who's been very good there so far. Zach Ertz now. So I think that this Cardinals team is a team that very is one of the best teams in the league. Obviously, we talk about it every week, and with Green Bay. They have the guy who I think may be the best quarterback in the league right now, Aaron Rodgers, who's missing uh, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard. I think Devontae Adams is the most dependent player, is the most offensively dependent player in football. That's not a quarterback. I think it's Devontae Adams because there is nothing else on the Packers' offense that really makes you excited. Aaron Jones is good, sure, but the Packers' offensive line isn't really good enough to support a great running game. So I think that... Um, with all that said, I kind of like Green Bay to make this a really close game, and I actually think that the Packers may win. I know what I said on Monday or on Tuesday, whatever, whenever you guys, whenever it came out, um, that um, I think that Arizona is going to smoke them without Adams, but Aaron Rodgers always finds a way. On a time that it's going to be a primetime game against a team that he's had a history with in the past in Arizona, he's had a couple playoff games playing in there. I think that he's going to make it interesting. He always does. He's one of the best out there. He's one of the best of all time. And I think that it's going to be a good game. I don't think either of these defenses are going to be able to get many stops. So I think it's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be fun. And I think that the Packers, they may try and run the ball to keep it out of Arizona's hands because they're going to score all over that defense. But it just seems like it's going to be one of those vintage Rodgers games for me. I, I kind of think that Green Bay is going to cover here. They may end up even winning. Yeah, I think that Rodgers can definitely step up with what Randall Cobb being his wide receiver one. Like he knows he he can do that. We know Aaron Rodgers can do that. He doesn't need good weapons to be a good quarterback. Um, let's see. Oh, what else? Oh yeah. I mean, I can be totally wrong, and Arizona could just show everyone that they're the best team. Yeah, it's hard to predict on them. Well, yeah. So we yeah we got injuries on the Packers offense. JJ Wild for the potentially the year with the shoulder injury on Cardinals defense. So we'll see how those match up now. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers will have a lot less pressure coming to him. So we'll see. Like I was saying before, we'll see what happens with Chandler Jones, how they position him. Is Bakhtiari at back this week? Because mm-hmm. he would be a really big help. I don't think so. I didn't even know he was injured. I'll yeah, he's been out. He's been, he hasn't played this year. Yeah. Oh, see, I, didn't know. I mean, one thing I'm really looking forward to is who's going to be the wide receiver one this, uh, this week. It's really good. One big problem with that uh, Packers offense is – there really isn't a backup wide receiver that's like consistent for that Packers offense, and I think if they had like similar to like the Bengals where they have a Jamar Chase, T Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, where T Higgins and Tyler Boyd can be that wide receiver too and be consistent at that, I think they just lack that because they have Alan Lazard, 
MVS, uh, St. Brown, but no one has really stepped up. Like, I guess they can go for like one fifty yard bomb for a touchdown, but really none of them are consistent enough to be an actual wide receiver two threat. He's not playing this week. He's not playing. So Bakhtiari is out again. So I still, that O line is still going to be a little hobbled with that with the lack of Bakhtiari, but I still think Rodgers, you know, uh, can always pull out some magic. Uh, Lazar is also out this week. He has COVID, I think, too. Yeah. So he's not. Well, gonna it's still like I just want to see who actually is going to be that wide receiver too. Who knows? Maybe Amari Rodgers. It's Amari Rodgers. I was thinking, yeah, they, yeah, they drafted the rookie Amari Rodgers. Maybe he steps up, but I, I also think this might be a big Tunyon game because Rodgers. Who else is Rodgers going to throw to in that offense? If we're being realistic here, I, the wide receiver one is not good enough for Byron Murphy's just going to lock him up. Like there's not nothing they can do. So. Yeah, I'm more excited to see the, the Packers' offense go up against the Cardinals' defense rather than the Cardinals' offense go up against the Packers' defense because we know the result of that. It's usually going to be a score no matter what. So it's exciting to see how an injury-riddled offense and an injury-riddled defense go at it. And there, I think there's a lot more pressure on – who do you think there's more pressure on or with the QBs? Who, is there more pressure on Rodgers or Murray this game? Because on one hand, you got the undefeated streak in your hands against Aaron Rodgers on Thursday Night Football. And then Aaron Rodgers' hands, you got a 6-1 team. That's a good question. Trying to stay atop your division with an injury-riddled offense, who's who's got more pressure? I would like to, I would say Aaron Rodgers, and I think it's because everyone's been criticizing this team. I think no one really believes they're actual true contenders for the Super Bowl this year, and I think they've had they've had wins this year, and I think they're standing sitting at six and one. Yeah, and people still don't think they're an actual credible team with their uh their wins and. This could be a really good, great game, and to prove all the doubters wrong and show that this team can still win the Super Bowl. This team has a strong chance of winning the Super Bowl compared to Kyler Murray, who has a star-studded cast with uh, with a healthy offense and with a, still a great defense. So Kyler really just has to play a, a solid game, whereas Aaron Rodgers has to sh- bring out the MVP level to get a win to the, uh, tomorrow. I feel like... It- I kind of think the opposite. I think more pressure is on Kyler. Like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers kind of have nothing to lose. They're going into this state, into this Arizona stadium against a really good team. Whereas Arizona started off really hot last year. Like this is around the time that the D hop touchdown happened last year. And they were riding high. They were like six and three or six and two or something. And they completely fell off. I think this is going to be, this needs to be Arizona's statement game of we're actually for real this year. They can start off the season eight and zero. I mean, that's that's a huge statement. And if they can't, I mean, they've already beaten teams to show me at least, and I think many other people that they are contenders. But I don't know. I kind of feel like there's a lot more pressure under Kyler because the Cardinals are also supposed to win this game. Green Bay with no receivers there. I don't think a lot of people are even expecting them to put up a fight, let alone like win at all. So I think that there's actually a lot more pressure on Kyler because. He doesn't really have that signature win yet, and the Cardinals have kind of been like teetering on the edge of the playoffs over the last couple of years, and I think this is going to be the game where Kyler needs to show everyone that they're for real. I just want to quickly add here, just uh, go against against you a little bit here, but I just want to say Kyler's biggest game so far has been the Rams, which are easily a contender. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whereas whereas, uh, Aaron Rodgers' biggest statement game is – probably against the Bengals, which, hey, fair, fair to the Bengals. They're number one in the AFC right now, but I don't think anyone actually believes they're a real threat uh, come playoff time. So I really just think Aaron Rodgers has a bigger bigger uh, circle around his head uh, or a bigger target around his head. I mean, yeah, he's obviously proven a lot more in his career, though. Mm-hmm. Like he's Aaron Rodgers. Well, that that's fair. He's a bad man. Everyone was, No, but everyone was also projecting uh, Kyler to be a – MVP, and he has proven to be an MVP candidate this year. And he has for him. sure. I don't, like, I know people are saying Kyler is in those MVP talks, but I feel like he would have to. I feel like he has to completely dominate the Packers for me to consider it being him being on the top. Because right now I have like Brady up there. I feel like seven weeks through, uh, Kyler is not the top guy, but. Yeah, like the, the Kyler Murray needs to take advantage of this Packers defense, and then he just has to hope that his defense shows up against the Packers offense. Like, uh, yeah, like Jared was saying. I mean, he has he had a had a statement win against the Rams, but like, after, besides that, like, 
I think this would be a nice statement win if they do get that. And if they blow them out, which I don't hope doesn't happen, then I would seriously consider Kyler Murray as the MVP. But we'll have to see. Because the Packers' defense isn't the best. But you're going up against Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, I, I'd consider him if they can at least win by, like, 10. And Kyler Murray, I, I can't see him throwing a pick against the Packers' defense. But if he does, then that's not great, obviously. So next we have our next segment, Turn Up the Heat, where – we rank uh, coaches on the hot seat from 1 to 10. So let's kick it off with Coach Nagy. I know Ke- Coach Nagy has been getting a lot of hits. Get him the fuck out of there. Holy <laughs> shit. Chicago's very head, head coach. Let's start off with someone here. Yeah, Matt Nagy needs to get out of there. I, he's probably like an 8 out of 10. I would say he's got about 8. I think that he's just, I don't know. It's been too long. This team has one playoff. Actually, no, they have two playoff appearances. They made the playoffs last year, but... I think that his offensive philosophy is terrible, and like there's just so many bad play calls. There's a reason why Justin Fields isn't really progressing well so far in his rookie career, and I don't think that there's any way Matt Nagy stays. I really don't. Yeah, I knew as soon as Justin Fields got drafted to the Bears that his career was going to be in shambles, and look at how it is right now. Part of it may just be Justin Fields, but Matt Nagy, I think, is a big part of it because, like, He's the coach. He should be guiding him. He should be leading him. I mean, look what Justin Fields is doing. Like, he just needs Matt Nagy just needs to get out of there. Like, have you seen the Bears play? He he needs to get out of there. He really does. This is also a guy that was under the Andy Reid system, so he knows how to handle quarterbacks. Especially, he was there when Patrick Mahomes. So I just want to add, Matt Nagy was the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs in 2017 with. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. So he knows how to handle rookie quarterbacks. But I really think, you know, yeah, it's Justin Fields is also a really raw prospect. So it's, it's, um, it's equally a mistake on both ends, quarterback and head coach, but you got to give a lot of uh, hate towards Matt Nagy. The play calling has not been great. They've, they've uh, had to run the ball like purposefully on like negative like negative uh uh effects on the I'm not I don't know how to wear this but they they've run the ball a lot offensively and it's really just negatively hurt hurt their offense rather than passing because they literally can't pass because the O-line is uh pretty much non-existent so Fields is just scrambling out the pocket and gets sacked for 15 yards so really there has to be some change here and maybe Matt Matt Nagy isn't here to blame and he has to get pulled under the rug with they do a fire sale in the front office for the Bears. But I think for something to change uh, within the offense, so, uh, Matt Nagy has to go. So what number would you guys give him for a, a chance like, of getting fired? I said like eight. Yeah, eight. I'd say the amount of letters in his name, which is eight. Yeah. Not, not saying Matthew Nagy, just Matt Nagy. <laughs> Next we have Brian Flores, head coach of the Dolphins. He's been getting a lot. His he his seat's been getting a little hot every week now. It's it's a little warmer than it was, but I think before this season it was at like a zero. I think that Brian Flores up until this year has done a really good job with the Dolphins. And the Dolphins have been a team that ever since they got Brian Brian Flores have kind of just been trying to rebuild everything and trying to get you know, acquire as many draft picks as they can. It's not Brian Flores' fault that they may have gotten the quarterback wrong. I don't think that it's his fault at all. So I think that Brian Flores' seat is probably like out of 10 is probably like a four. I don't think that he should get fired. I think that he's a good coach. I just think he may not be having the best year, but there's also a lot of injuries on that Dolphins team. They don't have the guy who was supposed to be their number one wide receiver. Tua has been hurt and in and out of the lineup. Their offensive line is not very good. So, um, yeah, I feel like Brian Flores' seat isn't as hot um, or is, is hotter than it probably should be. I think I'd put it at like a four. Yeah, so for me, uh, I don't really think Brian Flores is going to get fired. Uh, he's had good success with the Dolphins. The Dolphins were really good last year, and Xavier Howard was one of the best defensive players that year. Like, I think the Dolphins run really well through him. It's just – I don't think he's the problem. I think it's more of just the playmakers on his team that are 
I don't know. I don't see him getting fired. Like, yeah, the Dolphins may be doing bad. They're one in six or one in yeah, one in six right now. But like, I don't know. I think that yeah, he was. I don't think he, he wasn't. He was in talks as not even getting fired all of last year. Now here we are talking about him maybe getting fired. Like, I don't see it happening. I don't think they're going to flip the switch that quickly on him. I'm going to go the opposite here, James, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say. The hot seat is all the way up at like a seven, seven point five, eight ish, really? because I think this whole team has regressed so much from last year's team, yeah. and his and that the one thing that Brian Flores has led his team with is trust and leadership, and I think he's losing that and the credibility behind that too, and everything on that team that made last year so great has disappeared from that whole secondary, which still has its same players. That whole defense being so intimidating, and I think they, if they continue this mess, I think they he could be fired. And if they end up with Deshaun, I feel like they could go for just a big name coach instead, rather than going for another out of the uh, out of the ordinary type pick with Brian Flores. Which not it's nothing against him. I just think he might need a change of scenery or a little little job as a DC again before he can get another head coaching gig. Yeah, I don't know. It could happen. It, I I don't think it should, personally, but that's just me. A, a guy I wanted to talk about is Mike Zimmer. I, I think that Mike Zimmer's seat is warming up. Man, you really want to talk about Zimmer, don't you? I mean, I don't know. He's I think he's the only thing holding this team back. I think that this Vikings team, him and the secondary, and the offensive line. I know I just named two other very important things, but... This team has been very poorly man- time managed over the last couple years. Ever since the the season where the Vikings went to the NFC Championship game, I feel like that his coaching has been a little off, and I didn't really blame a, blame him a lot for last year. I thought the last year we had a playoff roster; they had a top five offense, and they were seven and nine. But there were a lot of defensive injuries. Anthony Barr and Daniel Hunter missed the entire season. There was no safety outside of uh, Harrison Smith that was like, well, Anthony Harris was there, but Anthony Harris took a huge drop-off. There were a lot of injuries in the secondary, injuries on the offensive line. Dalvin didn't play all the time. So I don't even blame him a lot for last year. But this year, there's been some injuries, but not enough to the point where, I mean, I talk about it all the time. This team should be 6-0. If they really should. They, they, sh- they had a game, you know, like, I don't know. There's just so many situations where this team sh- – should be so much better, and they're just not, and it's frustrating. But So I feel like if he doesn't take this roster to the playoffs, which has a top 12-ish quarterback in Kirk Cousins, probably a top three wide receiver duo, a top five running back, an offensive line that's better than it used to be, a defense that's a, – a, or at least a front seven that's still really good – I know that it's a tough schedule, but I think that Mike Zimmer's play calling has been bad enough to the point where I can't even give him the slack of there being like four different offensive coordinators there in the last couple of years. The only one that's been good has been Kevin Stefanski, and I know that I'm kind of going off on a tangent because it's his coordinators, not him. But the, the offensive play calling hasn't been the same since Pat Shermer was there, and then ever since Pat Shermer left, then, obviously, Kevin Stefanski was there for one year, and then the team made the playoffs that year. And that was when this team still had digs, and they still, you know, everything else was going great. And then now I feel like this team is very similar to that team a couple of years ago, just the offensive play calling is so much worse. So I feel that Mike Zimmer, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, which there's a very good chance that they don't because of the schedule, I feel like it may be time for him to get the boot. Let me ask you this as a Vikings fan. Uh, if they fire Mike Zimmer, who do you want, an offensive-minded coach or a defensive-minded coach? Yeah, you need to go offensive-minded. I think that, you know, you can hire a good defensive coordinator somewhere because they're running with guys who have been just on the staff recently as defensive coordinators. It's not like it's just a, they brought in a guy or anything like that. I think that I'd want to go for a guy like Brian Dable. Because offensive play calling, again, is what's been holding this team back ever since Pat Shermer was there and and Stefanski. But I think that if Brian Dable were this team's coach, it could work wonders for this team. And 
I mean, I would say Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs, but I don't think that he's leaving that team anytime soon. So, um, which I don't blame him. But I think that Brian Dable would be my target, an offensive-minded kind of guy. Next, we have Joe Judge. I think this is a a pick that it's no one wants to say it, but I think it has to be said that the Giants aren't exactly the best best team in the NFC East and they also aren't the worst, but being middle of the pack isn't exactly what that whole front office wants them to be with that current roster. So I really think Joe Judge, I'm going to say this is probably like a four to five range for the hot seat here, but depending on how the rest of the season uh, takes on its course, I really think he, if they have other potential suitors that are of, uh, people that they might have interest in taking because this is a very highly valued job, the New York uh, Giants head coaching gig. And I think, I mean, Joe Judge came in as a special teams coach, and it, his whole uh, – the front Dave Gettleman with hiring him kind of thought like, oh, maybe we can go the hardball route where we get a guy who's heavily great at special teams and maybe he can – build on the culture, build on the team in that capacity. But he hasn't exactly done that. They've they've been one of the most reckless teams when it comes to penalties, fights, just so uncoordinated. That offense isn't exactly uh, something to, uh, worth talking about. Defense hasn't been uh, something to take home either, but the defense at least is competent at best. So really with that team, I mean – Daniel Jones has really, I don't know if you would say breaking, breaking out as a solid QB just yet, but really there really isn't anything great about that team. And I think he should be there to blame. I feel like he's kind of like a five range, kind of middle of the road. Yeah, I don't know how to I think. Agree. I don't know how to think yeah, of this situation. That's, that's what I said. He, what, he come in last year? Uh, Was he a coach last year? Yeah. Yeah, so he's, yeah. he's still like new with the team. Theoretically, so I don't know. Like, I, I, I'd give him some time still. You still have Saquon, who's hurt. Like, he's kind of been the main. He was supposed to be the main piece of the offense. He was out all of last year. They don't have many more. Like, I thought they brought Joe Judge in to kind of help with the production of Saquon, but obviously with him being out, then Joe Judge kind of just to me it just seems like he's just kind of there. Like, he just has no like purpose. So. I kind of want to see what he does with Saquon healthy because we've only we've only seen a small sample size of that being relevant. So I want I want to see what he can do with this team at full health because with injuries, like yeah, no coach is going to be great, but I I need to see what he does with this team at full health, especially with Saquon back there because I don't know if Devontae Booker make he, Devontae Booker doesn't make Joe Judge look good. I think Saquon would. He just he needs to not be hurt. I think. The Giants' uh, health staff, or whatever the fuck it's called, they need to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree with everything that you said. I, I was just going to say, too, like, I don't think he's a great coach or anything, but the Giants have had so many injuries over the last two years that it's kind of unfair to judge him. So I don't think it's that hot. But I definitely don't think he's a great coach. I hate his philosophy around everything. So I'd probably put it like a, yeah, like a five. Yeah, high four, low five. Yeah. So... This is one I've been kind of gunning for this season. I think uh, it has to be worth mentioning Kyle Shanahan's name. I really think, I really think that you have to put some, some at some point you have to put the blame again on Kyle Shanahan for that offense. And fair enough, I haven't watched this past game against the Colts due to my wedding yet. Uh, take, take it or not, I uh, being the dead weight around here on the podcast. <laughs> but I meant, I meant what I said. Yeah, so I think you know that this is a team that is what is it two years removed from the Super Bowl now. Yeah, and keyword Super Bowl. When yeah, we're talking about the coach getting fired, but yeah, definitely. still, I mean, you know, I mean, hey, if we want to talk about uh, teams that are just uh, uh, recently removed from the Super Bowl, let's talk about Ed Ogeron from LSU. You know, he's that's college. That's totally. I mean, the head coach, the head coach. It's here. not his fault that. Burrow wanted to get paid, and Clyde wanted to get paid, and Jettas and Chase wanted to get paid. It's not his fault. I know, but still, the lack of production after that team. There's no one. That's totally. That's college. It's totally different. Hey, 
I mean, they still have like players like Jamar Chase and stuff, and they were still ass. When last year, Jamar didn't play last year. Stingley though, sure. And they always have wide receivers too. But besides that uh, tangent, I mean, I think if you want to say injuries have riddled that offense, sure. But you draft a QB at the three position. You traded up for him too with Trey Lance. Yet it's still so it's such a questionable move every week if he's going to start or Garoppolo's going to start and. That whole decision, I think, it really is just horrible for this team because really they're a quarterback away from going back to the Super Bowl. They have a really great defense that can maintain against any uh, contender, I feel. I think really some of the players that they have on that offense really just make that team just so much better with Debo Samuels breaking out this year. And I really think uh, Shannon also has to be uh, blamed for Brandon Ayuk. He has really just been a super uh, big shell of himself this year and has not contributed to this offense at all. And you can't say he's been he's come out back from an injury because he hasn't been listed on the injury report in more than two, three weeks now. So I really think he's just taken them out of all the schemes. And really, it's this is a and this is an offensive minded uh, coach we're talking about here. This isn't some guy that. Maybe it's like a Rob Sala who's defensive-minded, and he's like, God, uh, OC, you take the reins for this thing. I mean, Kyle Shanahan has always been praised for his offense, and their offense hasn't been something to take home either. So I really think there should be a little fire under his ass just to get him going again because right now I think he feels a little too comfortable with his job, and that's not going to cut it with being a 49ers coach, I think. If they really have goals of – going back to the Super Bowl, making the playoffs this year, something has to be changed, whether that's implementing more offensive schemes, changing it up, maybe getting Ayuk actually involved with in this offense again, I really think. I mean, you also have that uh, problem with the running back committee because, I mean, Elijah Mitchell's back now. Let's see how much of an impact he actually has on that offense. But it starts with a QB and – you got to make a decision at the end of the day going forward for the rest of the season. You have to make a decision whether it's Garoppolo or Lance. I think you're nuts. I might be, but I'm going to stand by it. I, Shrieker's hot take of the season. I think Kyle Shanahan's a top 10 coach in the league and needs like, – I, I think he's one of the only things that keeps that Niners team going. I mean, he's not the greatest, but the Niners also, especially ever since they made the Super Bowl – which, again, they made the Super Bowl, which is literally what you're supposed to be doing as a head coach. Last year, the Niners had the second most injuries of any NFL team over the last 20 seasons. That's not – like, I don't really know how you blame Kyle Shanahan. And they still ended up winning six games. They, they upset the Arizona Cardinals season last year and made them just not compete at all or made them not compete in the postseason at all. Like – I don't know. San Francisco is a, a lot of really good players. They're just a very injury-prone team. It just always happens with them. He runs – he has a lot of great play calls. He runs the play action very well. He has a really good running game. There's no way that Kyle Shanahan should be fired. I understand that they're 2-4, and four, but, I mean, again, they were two years removed from the Super Bowl. And if that team last year and this year was fully healthy, they'd be right in the thick of things, I think. I think that – you know, maybe the medical staff should be fired. But I don't think Kyle Shanahan, uh, his seat for me is a, a zero or a one. There's no way that I'm firing Kyle Shanahan. They, they've hit on a lot of draft picks recently too. I, I think that I think that Shanahan is totally fine, and I would easily keep Kyle Shanahan for the foreseeable. Wow, the foreseeable future. Yeah, I don't see him going anywhere. I mean, I I, I wouldn't fire someone off one bad season. Like, you just don't do that. At least with the amount of history that Shanahan has, has with the Niners, like, he's brought him success. So I don't see any way that they would let him go. I, 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 don't, I don't see it. Like, yeah, there's controversy QB. There's some questionable picks. But, like, it happens. Like, you can't be perfect with draft picks. You can't be perfect with anything. So I don't think he's going to get fired. He, he's a really good coach. We all know that he is. Uh, his play calling usually is good. But – yeah, it's mainly just injuries that are setting that team back. But I wouldn't fire him off one bad season. And they're only 2-4 and four right now. They can still pick it back up. 
So, yeah. I mean, again, again one bad season, I'm not going to – I wouldn't fire. He's got like a zero or one for me too because I wouldn't fire him based off one bad season, especially with the amount of success he's had with the Niners in recent years. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It's not smart. I mean, if we're looking off stats here, he's below average in both passing and uh, points for uh, for that offense. So it's, it's, is that this year? Still, I mean, at some point, you can't just blame injury for everything. Is that this year? Yeah, this year. Again, it's it's one bad year. They're not going to fire him off one bad year. I mean, I think that John Lynch has to say at some point, you know, enough's enough. But John yeah. Lynch probably wouldn't even be there if Kyle Shanahan was there. No, I think John Lynch would still be there because think- he's he's the one that actually brought. I think it was Kyle Shanahan that really was going behind this whole Trey Lance thing, and it's I don't know. I I mean I don't agree with them taking Trey Lance. That I'll get behind. It should have been Mac Jones. I don't think they needed a quarterback at all. Uh, I think they should have just stayed at twelve and drafted. De- uh, well, Devonta Smith is gone, but whatever. I think that they should have just gone for a receiver. Either moved up or moved down later, drafted Bateman or Elijah Moore or something. I don't think they needed Trey Lance at all, at least for this year. That's pro- they're pro- yeah, he's probably like a project pick because they're obviously not going to start this year like at all. I mean, if we're look, I mean, the defense is still there with their passing defense being fifth best in the league. So it's right. their defense keeps up with anyone. It's really their offense and. They still have so many playmakers on that team. It's once again, it's a running back committee where they just bring in another guy from the depth chart and just throw him in and hope that he can still perform. And he typically they have all been performing well. So I think really he has to implement something. And what do you make for the Brandon Ayuk? Because everyone was saying this guy was going to go off this season. And it doesn't matter. There shouldn't be some excuse for him. It doesn't matter if people if people get it wrong. People get it wrong. Debo Samuel's doing everything that Brandon Ayuk was so it just ended up being a different guy which is okay that happens all the time that's fair but this guy's been like shut out of the whole offense for a guy that... not, i mean i don't know. i i don't really get the Ayuk stuff either but that doesn't make shanahan a bad coach that could just make Ayuk a bad player i th- i think it's because i just feel like it's on shanahan because shanahan should be implementing him more into the offense getting him like a bit, like i don't know what he plays like whether it's like the slot or whatever, but I just think he should be implemented more into this offense. I think a guy we can talk about quickly is Vic Fangio. I think that guy's gone. Yeah. I think Denver sucks. They. I think it's just going to be a whole rebuild in Denver this offseason. New coach, new quarterback. I think his seat's elegant eight. Do you guys agree? Nine. I would give it nine. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's out by, by the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is the exact, in my opinion, this is the extreme opposite of the Shanahan where this guy came in as, like, the one of the best defensive-minded coaches and everything, and that Broncos defense isn't really a home run. But that's, I would also have to say that coach, or that team isn't really, I don't think they're buying whatever system uh, Van Dio's selling because it really just seems like that team just doesn't give enough effort on Sundays. Yeah. Uh, the only other ones I can make, I don't think like Pete Carroll's. I think he's fine. Like, yeah. it's just Pete Carroll. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been to two. Um, I mean, he's old. The only thing, the I think the only time that Pete Carroll ever leaves the Seahawks is if he gets fired, or I mean, if he retires. I think he's the second most important thing for that franchise right now, other than Russell Wilson. And this year is obviously a wash because Wilson's hurt, and he's again one of the most if not the most valuable quarterback in the league. So uh, another guy that, you know, maybe is a guy like Ron Rivera because Washington has just been such a disappointment from last year. But Ron Rivera is such a esteemed head coach in the NFL that I don't think that – I think his job is pretty safe. I'd probably put Rivera at like a three, two or three. Yeah, it, I mean, it's not – I don't think that's his fault. They have Taylor Heineke quarterback. If they just if they draft a QB and things can start turning around, but that defense needs some help. I think they need they need a new defensive coordinator because that defense was again supposed to be really good, and now look at them they're just they're not acting how they should. So I think the only coaching change in Washington would be a new defensive coordinator, maybe a new OC, but I don't think Rivera is going anywhere. So next we have our game of the weeks, and I'm gonna kick it off with Titans versus Colts. I think that's gonna be a great yeah, divisional game. Divisional rivalry, actually, 
And I really think this Colts team has bounced back from where they started initially in the beginning of the season. I think Carson Wentz is actually a really great QB once again, and he has revitalized that connection with Frank Reich. I think Derrick Henry is still a super threat when it comes to that offense, and he with it's going to be an interesting match matchup between that Colts defense with DeForest Buckner and Quiddy Pay against Derrick Henry, but also how that uh, passing offense gets involved for the Titans. I really want to see if Tannehill is actually involved heavily with throwing the ball deep with A.J. Brown uh, or if he's going to go a little conservative here with little checkdowns because I really think a lot of people haven't been – I think you should be, uh, people should start criticizing uh, Tannehill a little bit more. And, I mean, fair enough they beat the Chiefs last week, but uh, hopefully they keep it on because I, I really want to see this Titans team do well this year. Yeah, my game of the week is uh, Bucks and Saints. Because, I mean, <clears throat> Bucks versus Saints is always a classic game. I mean, except for last year when the Saints absolutely blew out Tom Brady and the Bucks. But, like, they're usually really good games. I think Brady versus Winston's going to be a good battle. Obviously, this, the main thing I'm looking for is how the Saints are going to slow down that top rated Bucks offense. It's like. I don't know what's who. I don't know who they can have that'll slow them down because you got Marshawn Lattimore and who Mike Evans, but then you still got Chris Godwin. Maybe he might not play, but Gronk, I don't know about Gronk. But if you eliminate one of them, you still still got a crap ton of more playmakers out there. And Al Leonard Fournette is coming in at like a top ten running back, maybe probably not. Or I think fantasy purposes he's top fifteen. Oh, he's, he's like a top fifteen running back in the league right now. So that's another weapon that they can utilize. So like it's just I'm gonna I want to see how that Saints defense I want to see that game plan for the Bucks offense and I think with James Winston passing the ball a lot it's gonna be fun to see how he incorporates his receivers deep how they just get the chains moving on that Bucks defense because they're gonna have to be moving quick they either have to be moving quick to keep he's catching 10, up with the yeah. he's tender so he is top ten so the, I think the Saints are they have to game plan on offense too they they're if they're up they have to keep it as slow as possible to keep Tom Brady and the Bucks off the field. Or they have to keep playing catch up and risk Tom Brady on the field and throwing more touchdowns. So like, it's really a gamble what the Saints have to do, and I'm I'm all there for it. I think this is gonna be a good game. I think it's gonna be. It. I hope it's a shootout. It's it mainly depending on how Jameis Winston feels that day. But if if Jameis Winston gets one of those signature five touchdown games, then this is gonna be a really good game. Yeah. So we've been talking about it all week, or or the last couple of weeks actually. All of our friends here have been talking about it. Vikings, Cowboys, I'm really excited. Obviously, I'm a Vikings fan, so I'm excited to finally watch my team on primetime, which I haven't Jesus, which I haven't been able to do at all this season. Um, I'm really excited. I think this is going to be a, one of the better games of the season. We got these two teams have played each other the last two seasons, and they've both uh, – last year's was in Minnesota. I believe 2019's was in Dallas. And the Vikings won that one. And the Cowboys won in Minnesota last year with Andy Dalton, the quarterback. Like, that was one of the games that pissed me off that the Vikings shouldn't have lost. But these games are always exciting. It's going to be a really good game. Dak versus Kirk, two offenses that have been killing it this season. Two great wide receiver duos in Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb with Dallas and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Two great running backs, Zeke and Dalvin Cook, which Zeke has been one of the best running backs this year. So it's going to be really fun to watch him work against this Vikings defense, which is, like, solid. There's just a lot of really fun players and really good players in this game that are just going to be really fun to watch for both of these teams. And it, it, I just I got that feeling that it's just going to be one of those really good games in Minnesota. Everyone's going to be, you know, excited for it. Neither of these defenses are, I think, good enough to consistently stop either of these offenses. So it's just going to be, I think, going to be a good amount of scoring. I think we're going to see a lot of fireworks. We're going to see a lot of highlight plays. These are two of the most exciting and electrifying offenses in the league. The Cowboys are currently a one-and-a-half-point favorite at, uh, on the road, which is interesting. This Cowboys team is definitely good. I think they're definitely a better team than Minnesota. But I think Minnesota, like both teams are kind of are coming off a bye. Dallas hasn't been home in a while in terms of a home game. I, I kind of think that the Vikings may steal this one at home. And I honestly wouldn't be terribly ashamed of the Vikings losing this game because, I, yeah, it's a home game. But it's Dallas, after all. This is one of the, uh, the 
I think Dallas is closer to a top five team than a top ten team in the league. So I think that this is going to be it, it's just I think it's just going to be so fun Halloween night, and it it's just there's going to be a good vibe in the air. It's going just going to be a good time. Everyone watching this game, I I really am excited. I think that the both of these offenses are going to try and keep are going to try and use the running game a lot because they're going to try and keep their the other offense off the field. So we'll see how that works. So it may be a big uh, Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott game for both teams. I, I'm kind of predicting. Even though both of these teams probably have better run defenses than pass defenses. So it's also going to be interesting to see the matchup of Justin Jefferson and Trayvon Diggs. I think we can all agree Trayvon, Trayvon Diggs has been one of the more fun corners to watch this year, even though he may be a little overrated. Um I think he's been really fun, and, and Justin Jefferson, every time he's on the field, always doing something fun and entertaining. So I think it's just going to be an awesome game. So next we have our locks of the week, and I'm choosing the 49ers, despite what I said earlier to, uh, in the podcast. I'm, I really think this team beats uh, the Bears. Uh, I wouldn't say as much as the Buccaneers did last week, but I still think it's going to be Niners all day on Sunday, I think. Justin Fields is going to have nowhere to go with this with this run defense and passing defense of the 49ers, and he's going to get sacked. He's going to get picked off. There, I think there's going to be a, a benching around the second quarter before halftime. I think second quarter. Yeah, for Fields. Yeah, I think they're going to just. And it's not that he's uh, he's too bad. I think it's just they want to they want to actually save him, and they're going to bring in either Dalton or. Uh, Nick Foles to try to preserve that offense for this game just because of how bad it's going to get. Because they don't want – I don't think nobody wants on that Bears uh, team to uh, have a repeat of last week and how much of a shame it was really, like how bad they were on the, on the field. I mean, yeah. If you're, giving, if you're throwing them out there against one of the best defenses in the league, though, like the, that's the experience he's going to need to have. That's it's not, it's not going to get harder. That's right, but at some point, you know, it's like, how much does it? How much does he need to know until he's like realized, okay, this yeah. is like, yeah. So I mean, just back on that Fields thing, I just want to like uh, reiterate, like, at some point, potential has to turn into actual talent and skill. And yes, like, that off O line is not going to give you anything. And but at some point, you just have to uh, take that, take it what it is, take a spade at, uh, for a spade and. You know, you still have weapons on that offense with Allen Robinson, Darnell Louie, and such. So you really just have to use what you have and find a way to just keep going. So that's what I got to say for the Bears there. Yeah, for my lock of the week, which, by the way, I finally went 2-0. So I'm ba- I said that last week. I didn't that out. So for my lock this week, I had a – I'm going with Cincinnati over the Jets. The Jets don't even have Zach Wilson now for the next <laughs> – what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I'm fucking all tired, bro. The Jets don't even have Zach Wilson for this game, which, uh, again, like kind of like we were talking about, with, I was saying, like with Fields, like you got to just kind of throw him into the fire because it's not going to get worse. Like you got to have him experience the worst of the worst because it's going to get worse before it gets better. But obviously, he's not going to be there for this game. Mike White is going to be starting, which. I feel, Mike like, White. I, I feel like it's going to be the new Mike Lennon meme. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Cincinnati's been killing it this season, and what better uh, relaxation after having to play the Ravens than to go and play the Jets. I mean, if the Bengals lose this game, I like I kind of want to say it's a trap game, but it's not. It's, this has to be my lock. The Bengals just look so much better than the Jets. It's not even funny. I don't care that it's on the road. I, I think the Bengals are going to whoop them this week. Yeah, my lock – I mean, obviously, I should take the the easy Rams over Texans, but after seeing the Rams last week, that kind of scared me. So I'm taking the Bills over the Dolphins. Look, I know Bills just on a bye after coming off a very heartbreaking loss to the Titans, but like this is a game to just bounce back. Obviously, obviously, this Dolphins team isn't great, so this is this is a game to bounce back. We know Josh Allen and the Bills produce against crappy teams. They shut them out even, and they put up like 50, 40, 50 points. So I think this is going to be one of those games. I think the Bills are easily going to walk away with this game. Josh Allen's going to establish himself again after that that loss to the Titans. Everything's just going to go right for the Bills this game. And I don't think the Dolphins with Tua at the helm is going to – they're not going to produce well against that Bills defense, who's still really top – who's still top-rated. They just had a kind of a fluke game against the Titans. So I'm expecting the Bills to just kind of 
just kind of wipe the floor of the Dolphins. It's going to be one of those games where the Bills just go up 40 points and then it's already game over. So, yeah, Bills over Dolphins is my lock. Finally, we have upset of the week. And hopefully I can actually get a correct upset because it seems like so far I haven't had any good upsets for the past couple of weeks. But I'm going Lions over Eagles here. I'm actually going. Yeah, I'm going Lions. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm. This is not correct. You I'm actually the Vikings. Yeah, I'm going Vikings over Cowboys actually, and I want. I would start a skull chant here, maybe a little little skull chant. Not because, till not till they win. Yeah, because I, I think you know that offense is it's finally done the turn up against a, another offense. It's gonna be. I'm hoping for. I think everyone's hoping for a shootout, but. I really think uh, with Dak Prescott coming a little hobble in there, I think this is one of the games, this is a statement game for that Vikings offense for Mike Zimmer as well. And this is see if they can prove to everyone that why they should make the playoffs. Yeah, uh, my upset is Lions over Eagles. Like Again, with last week's lock, it was Rams over Lions, which I got right. But, I mean, the Lions played them tough. And, the Rams are one of the best teams in football, and if the Lions can play them tough, who like who knows what's going to happen against the Eagles? I don't know how the Eagles are favored this game. I think it's just because the Lions are on seven, but if the Lions can go up big quickly, then they can give all the Jalen Hurts touchdowns and garbage time they want. They can. It doesn't matter. I the Lions play every team tough, and I think this is the one game that they need to win. And I think it's the it's the the game that they can win. They have the ability to like this Eagles team isn't great they're only good in the fourth quarter so again if they can get up like 14 in the fourth quarter then I think the Lions have this one but yeah the Eagles haven't been looking great the Lions are probably a better team than the Eagles but record wise they're not so I think the Lions have a very beatable a very winnable game here against the Eagles and I wouldn't be surprised with this upset like honestly yeah but honestly the Lions are 0-7 I again like I said like Five seconds ago, I, I think they're still the better team than the Eagles. So I think this was an easy upset pick for me. But who knows what happens? Eagles may find something in them and surge in like the first quarter. But again, the, the Lions always play people tough. And if the, if they're ahead, uh, then I don't think the Eagles have a shot of coming back and winning, especially with Miles Sanders out. Even though they didn't use him anyways, but I don't think Ken Gamewell is much of an improvement. So yeah, I think the Lions can can very. I think they can upset the, the Eagles here, and, and it's a very winnable game for the Lions. So my that's my upset. Yeah. Uh, I hope both of you are right. I hope that Shrieker's right for the Vikings, and I want to see Dan Campbell get his first win. I think he deserves it. Uh, my upset this week is a little weird, but I'm sticking to it. I'm going to go with Duval County and Jacksonville Jaguars in Seattle upsetting the Seahawks. I think that – I'm just going to keep on being right about Russell Wilson being that valuable to Seattle that I don't think that they're going to win a game without him. This is going to be the only game where they're supposed to win when in terms of the, the Jags. Or no, in terms of Seattle, probably when Russell Wilson's out, this is the only game where they should win. And I don't even think it's going to be close. I Oh, no, I do think it's going to be close, obviously. But I don't, I don't think that they're going to get it. I think that Jacksonville, you know, they're coming off a high right now, off uh, coming out of London. They're on a bye. They're on a week rest. And they're, they're going to be on 14 days rest, and Seattle's going to be on six. I think that even though it's going to be in Seattle, I think that's going to be important. This Seattle's 0-3 at home this year, so it's not like that's, it's really going to um, matter in terms of home field advantage. So I really, I just think that Geno Smith is terrible and this D this Seattle defense is terrible, even though that they didn't play that bad against the saints. I feel like Jacksonville is a team that can score and they can score well. And I think that Jacksonville is going to steal this one on the road. It's, it's weird going with the Jaguars who before, uh, the London game didn't win a game until, uh, didn't win a game since week one of last year, which is very sad, but, I don't know. I like what this Jacksonville team is doing right now. Besides the head coach, I like Trevor Lawrence, which, by the way, Urban Meyer's hot seat should be elegant. That guy's an idiot. But, yeah, I think that Jacksonville's going to go on the road and, and beat the Seattle team, and I think that Geno Smith is pretty bad, and I don't think that they're going to – I don't think that they're going to win a game without Russell Wilson. If they had a decent backup like a Case Keenum or like uh, – 
even though Joe Flacco, they should have been the team to trade for Joe Flacco. I think maybe they, they probably would win this game, but I don't think that they're going to get a whole lot of offensive production. And I think that, or at least I don't think that they're going to get enough offensive production. And I think the Jacksonville wins. So that's it for to, uh, today's episode. Uh, thank you all for watching. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Rat Runners Pod, and we'll see you next time.